And welcome into the Monday edition of the Most Accurate Podcast. I'm your host, Anthony Stalter. Joining me, as always, is 444.com senior editor, John Paulson. John, how did we do this weekend in fantasy? You in good shape heading into the Monday night game? Uh, it was it was an up-and-down week, let's just say that. Okay. I kind of feel the same way. I, I unfortunately, I was going against Baltimore in one league where I had won five straight, and even though I had Russell Wilson, I still couldn't make up enough ground. Yeah, it was. It, this is a, this is a week where if you were facing certain players, uh, it's really tough. Yeah. And uh, and I had a, a couple of those players as well, but you know, in four or five leagues, it was definitely a five hundred week for me this week. Before we get into the injuries, I actually want to throw some questions at you that fantasy owners are starting to face on a weekly basis. Before we do that, of course, tell tell us about the music that helped bring us in today. Yeah, this is a a, a song that uh, was on the Judgment Night soundtrack so you have to dig that one up it's on it's available on spotify it's teenage fan club uh with de la soul and the name of the song is fallen uh so we'll put it on the most accurate podcast playlist uh, as well you could find it there all right one of the questions that i feel like fantasy owners are going to face moving forward here is whether or not deshaun watson is matchup proof you saw what he did yesterday against a a Seattle defense that had been struggling against the run, but of course they've been excellent against the pass. Well, the rookie lit him up. 402 yards, he had four four touchdowns overall. He did have three interceptions, he made plenty of mistakes, but he also added eight carries for 67 yards. So again, the question, is Deshaun Watson matchup-proof moving forward? Yeah, I mean, I was heading into this game, I think I said on Friday I was a little worried about uh, this. I might have said it on another pod, but this is a... This is a matchup that worried me, and that's why we had him ranked 15th, I think, this week. Um, obviously, probably should have had more confidence in the kid. Uh, but he's sort of like, looking at his, his uh, game logs, too, he's like, a, he's like a Tyrod Taylor who can really throw. Um, I mean, he's got four touchdowns against Seattle. He's got three against Cleveland, five against KC, four against Tennessee, and that's the last four games. And then he's also you know chipping in 30 to 40 or more yards rushing per game and the occasional rushing touchdown. He's got two rushing touchdowns on the year as well. So whatever interceptions he throws is probably going to be offset by what his rushing yardage. So you're all the passing yardage and uh, rushing touchdowns are sort of gravy. Um, you know, next week he has Indianapolis, which is a, he's going to be up there in the top two or three uh, quarterbacks in my rankings. And then just looking forward at his, you know, upcoming schedule there really isn't anything that would deter me from starting him he's got the rams baltimore jacksonville and pittsburgh over the stretch run here those are the red matchups but none of those teams um you know scare me as much as maybe seattle in seattle um certainly not uh the rams or or baltimore or pittsburgh at home uh the week 15 game at jacksonville is a little daunting but i think even he uh 
uh, can can score against uh, the Jaguars and find ways to score with either his feet or throwing the ball over the middle is kind of avoiding those those cornerbacks that the Jaguars have. And then he's also got, you know, Indianapolis next week, Arizona in week 11, Tennessee in week 13, San Francisco in week 14. Those are all green matchups. So, you know, with the, with the bad, there is a lot of good there as well as far as strength of schedule. I want to ask you about Carson Wentz, and some may say, okay, why are you guys going to talk about Carson Wentz? Obviously, he's a starter. He's an MVP candidate uh, in, in real football terms. But I'm going to throw a real-life scenario at you. I have Matt Ryan, who I drafted in the, I don't know, sixth, seventh round in one league, and I picked up Carson Wentz on the bye, and now I've got a weekly you know, dilemma whether or not to start Ryan or Wentz. Now, that's just for me. I know other owners are kind of in a similar dilemma. Maybe you found a starter that you, that you really liked in the draft later on, and either because of injuries or ineffectiveness, you picked up Wentz, and now you're kind of in a weekly, weekly bind. Do you like Carson Wentz in the same manner that you like Deshaun Watson? Yeah, I mean, trading away a quarterback, or, you know, I'm getting questions about, do I cut Cam Newton because I have Deshaun Watson? you know, just roll with Watson the rest of the way or, you know, but it's, you'd like to try to trade them away that, that other good quarterback that you have, but they're tough to trade quarterbacks because it's a onesie position. in Most leagues, obviously in a two quarterback league, you can trade them pretty easily or super flex. Um, but a one quarterback league there's usually, you know, most owners probably have one on their roster. So that means there's, you know, options on the waiver wire uh, for owners that are struggling at the position. Um, but what you would need to do or anybody that has Carson Wentz and Matt Ryan or, or similar pairing is you, you have to find the owner in your league that's streaming at quarterback or is just struggling at quarterback gen- in general, has a bad one. You know, maybe he started Josh McCown last week or Case Keenum um, and try to make a deal. And you may not be able to get fair value. Uh, you know, Carson Wentz is a top five fantasy quarterback right now. I think he's even higher, maybe two or two or three. Um, so, you know, you're looking at, if this was a draft, you're looking at what third, fourth round draft value for him. Now, can you get a third or fourth type round type, uh, running back or receiver for, for this player? It's going to be tough because those, those guys are that need a quarterback are already streaming and probably figure they can get through with, with who they have. So in your situation, Matt Ryan probably has less value than Wentz. Um, so you're going to get more for Wentz and probably uh, Matt Ryan, and you might have to give up your better quarterback if you want to keep um, one of them and uh, to get something of value from, for that player. So um, it's a, that's a tough dilemma. You don't want to cut if you can avoid it. Try to get something for them um, because, you know, there are players out there, especially the Rodgers owner who's scrambling. You know, players, uh, there's another, another six teams, I think, on bye next week. So those guys are going to need quarterbacks. Uh, this is not a bad time to try to move one of those guys. A couple of the questions focusing on wide receivers. We saw last night what rookie Juju Smith-Schuster did for Pittsburgh. He caught the long touchdown as the Steelers were backed up inside their own five last night. Wound up being the game-winning touchdown as Detroit couldn't convert in the red zone. And you had the situation with Martavis Bryant a week ago getting into a, a, a Instagram you know, back and forth and saying that he was the better wide receiver at the rookie. Well, apparently not. The rookie's doing some great things. So is he a weekly starter? Is he legit now from a fantasy perspective? Well, it'll kind of depend on what they do with Martavis Bryant. I mean, the trade deadline, I think, is tomorrow. Um, but certainly moving forward, you've you've got a situation where uh, Smith-Schuster 
looks like um, the, the other, you know, the second best fantasy receiver in, in Pittsburgh. Uh, you know, I, I doubt that they bring Martavis back and play him more snaps than than Smith Schuster. And you know, as far as my my son is concerned, because I you know I brought him up uh, on Friday as a, a player that uh, my son Max picked up off the waiver wire and plugged in. He was amazed that uh, <laughs> of what this kid what this kid did. He was trailing going into a Sunday night game. And then Mac, I go, Max, I've got to show you what uh, what your guy did. And, you know, he had 25 points in standard formats, and he just, his mouth dropped. He's like, can I see the, and I told him about the play, the 97-yard touchdown. He's like, what? <laughs> so, so I think he's going to be on Max's team for a while. I don't think, I don't think Max is going to want to cut him. So, uh, yeah, I think in a general week, you're probably looking at him to be ranked in the 20 to 30 range based on the matchup. And, you know, we'll see more, we'll know more as as Bryant comes back or gets traded. And we see what sort of snaps he was playing, uh, the, the rookie, because he's playing. He played eighty percent last night, only forty five percent against Cincy the week before. He still had a touchdown in that game, you know, sixty nine percent in week six, eighty two percent in week five. So his snaps are a little bit up and down. Uh, but lately, it's been it's usually been over seventy, which is what I uh, call starter type snaps. And if he's playing that, he's going to be a, a pretty good start the rest of the way. He's got the bye next week, week nine. Uh, Indianapolis, Tennessee, Green Bay, the next three games, 10 through 12. Uh, those are great matchups. Uh, week 15, New, New England. Week 16, Houston, which is not the, the past defense they once were. Uh, so he looks startable for most of the rest of the season. Let's talk about one more, and then we'll go into the the um, injuries. And there weren't a lot of injuries, thankfully, from, from Week 8, although one nasty injury to tight end Zach Miller that you know, hopefully he uh, all goes well. It sounds like he's the surgeons are trying to save his leg, not just his career. So that's a scary situation. But one other wide receiver I wanted to ask you about is Will Fuller. He's a first-round talent, unbelievable day yesterday, made great plays from a couple of good passes from Deshaun Watson. He was targeted eight times. That's only behind DeAndre Hopkins, 11 targets on the day. But Fuller, he had five catches for 125 yards and two touchdowns. So kind of a similar question with Smith-Schuster. Is Will Fuller for real? I mean, he has seven touchdowns in four games. <laughs> uh, so, you know, you could tra- I mean, you could like trade away at this point, but you're pro- if you have him, you're probably in a good spot in terms of wins and losses, and why not keep him unless you really have a, um, you know, I think some owners just get fall in love with, you know, selling high. Obviously, Will Fuller's, you know, he's not going to average 70 yards and 1.8 touchdowns uh, the rest of the way. Uh, probably not. If he does, we're we're all in trouble, I guess. But um, that doesn't mean necessarily have to trade the player away uh, just because it's a, his value is at the highest it could be. Uh, this is a this is an offense that's on the rise with a quarterback with they're letting him throw the ball more. This is only going to continue. Um, the defense is not as good as it once was. You know they lost JJ Watt, uh, so you know there's going to be high scoring games moving forward, and uh, he's playing good matchups the rest of the way. So I you know I like Fuller. I like his match, his speed, how it matches uh, Watson's arm, and uh, yeah, obviously the two have a great rapport right now. All right, let's get into these injuries, and we can kind of move quickly through these. We'll start off with Jordan Reed. He pulled his hamstring yesterday, and he was ruled out of that game against the Dallas Cowboys in the second half. Uh, Reed has been dealing with hamstring injuries over the last couple of weeks, and I, he's he's a weekly injury concern. But fantasy owners that did pull the trigger on him in the middle rounds, you know what what would you tell them moving forward here as he's day to day with that strained hamstring? Well, he got one target, uh, played 36% of the snaps, 
there's not a whole lot you can do. Uh, you know, when he plays, he's shows you he shows you what his upside is. Like last week against Philly, he had eight catches for 64 yards, two touchdowns on 10 targets. But you just can't count on him on a weekly basis. Uh, you have to have Vernon uh, Davis on the roster as like a handcuff, the rare tight end handcuff. Um, and even that doesn't always pan out because tight ends are kind of spotty. Uh, you just have to hold. Uh, if you have an IR spot, great. Uh, if not, you just he just eats up a spot on your on your waiver wire if he's week to week and it looks like he is. Let's talk about Zach Miller. I mentioned him before. He came down with what should have been a touchdown in my eyes yesterday, but uh, worse yet, he he suffered a horrific leg injury. And there was a report, I believe, by Chris Mortensen of ESPN.com on Monday morning that stated that surgeons are actually trying to save Zach Miller's leg. So it's a devastating injury. I don't mean to be insensitive. We are a, a, a podcast for fantasy listeners, so. I am going to kind of move on to a fantasy perspective. There's Deion Sims in Chicago. There's Adam uh, Shaheen, who's a rookie tight end in Chicago. Would you just stay away from these two tight ends, given the passing game woes for the Bears? Yeah, I mean, I think the I think Deion Sims is the primary backup here. He had five targets against New Orleans, but only caught three for 15 yards. Uh, Shaheen had one one target. He he caught a touchdown back in Week Three, and that was his last. Uh, reception. So, you know, Zach Miller is the best receiving tight end in Chicago. And now that he's uh, out for the year, I'm sure um, this is pretty much a situation to avoid. The Bears just don't throw enough on a week-to-week basis to to justify, you know, picking one of these guys up. Duke Johnson is day-to-day. He was taken out of the game yesterday against the Vikings in London. Uh, he was checked for a concussion in the fourth quarter. Apparently, he's already been cleared of that concussion. Uh, talk about Duke Johnson and Isaiah Crowell. Uh, we do, we don't include the Browns in the RBBC conversation a little bit earlier or a little bit later on. So, just kind of talk about Cleveland's running back situation. Yeah, Crowell. Uh, you know, he woke up finally, and it was against maybe the toughest matchup that he had all year, which is you know sometimes how fantasy works. But he had sixty four yards, <coughs> sixty four yards rushing. 54 receiving with four catches. Some of that was due to Johnson being out of the game. He played uh, 56% of the snaps, which was his highest since week one. Uh, I think that had something to do with Johnson being uh, sidelined. So, you know, if that continues, um, then you're looking at Crowell getting, he's been getting the 15 to 18, 15 to 20 touches, but um, just hasn't been doing anything with him. Finally, he can, he's starting he averages 5.8 yards per carry against the, the Vikings, which just makes no sense, but that's how it goes. Uh, if Duke is back, it, we're, I think we're just going back to the um, situation before I've been fading Crowell just due to the ineptitude of the, uh, of the running game. Typically they're under 3.8 yards per carry, sometimes under 2.1. There's 1.9 in week one. So, uh, Duke's more of the, the, the threat in the passing game. Uh, they have a week nine bye, so I'm, I'm assuming he'll be back uh, week 10. So I think we're back to the same situation. And then real quick on Joe Flacco, he suffered that concussion when he took the hit against uh, or by Kiko Alonso in that Thursday night matchup. I don't know if he's going to be cleared to play. You have Ryan Mallett stepping in. I don't know a lot of fan- of a lot of fantasy owners that are relying on Jeremy Macklin or Mike Wallace. Uh, but for me, I, I have Alex Collins on my bench. Do you think that maybe the Ravens rely more on Collins, put the offense in his hands, given the fact that Joe Flacco was struggling so much, and you might see Ryan Mallett as the starter now. Uh, yeah, if Flacco's out, week nine they face uh, Tennessee. Uh, it's not actually not a bad matchup for Mallett either, given the secondary there uh, for the Titans. But uh, Collins is the question here, and 
I think with Flacco out, it definitely diminishes uh, Collins' upside because I don't think any defenses are fearing Ryan Mallett. Um, but uh, he's still, I think Collins is still startable because they did uh, run the ball well uh, last week, and he's been running the ball, ball well all year. I mean, he's, his yards per carry is, is very high. Uh, he's been pretty efficient um, the entire season. So um, I think they're looking at him now as the primary first and second down back. I don't. The, the issue with Collins is is the goal line work because uh, Buck Allen's been getting that. And um, if he's not scoring touchdowns and not catching the ball, uh, it's a problem for Collins. But he did have a couple catches last week, and I still need to look at the goal line work uh, for last game. But uh, if it's not Buck Allen and it's they're starting to get the ball to Collins in, in by the – the goal line and there's some chances that he'll score some touchdowns and that's what you need from a from a back that doesn't catch a lot of passes i'll just mention these two and then we'll move on uh leonard fournette participated in practice on monday he was almost cleared to play against the colts two weeks ago before the jaguars buy so barring any setbacks it looks like leonard fournette's going to be back for the jaguars and then miami receiver Devonte parker he's expected to play in week nine against the raiders miami of course is having a ton of issues offensively as they were shut out by the Ravens last Thursday night. So that kind of concludes our injury recap from week eight. want to tell you about draft before we get into our RBBC conversation following yesterday's games. It's not too late to download the highest-rated fantasy app. It is called Draft. You can play in real-life snake drafts, be done in under five minutes, and they last for just one week. One week, so you don't have to worry about the aforementioned injuries that you and I, that John and I were just talking about. Uh, drafts start every couple of minutes, so you can join one right, right now ahead of week nine. The best part is you can play for real money and get this. Your chances of winning are 80% better than on those salary cap sites. All new players get free entry into a real money draft when you make your first deposit use our promo code four for four and you can play for real money and you can play in a real money game just by using that promo code code the number four f-o-r and the number four it gets even better draft is so sure that you're going to love playing using their app that they're offering most accurate podcast listeners uh, a money back guarantee of up to one hundred dollars just search draft in your app store or go to draft.com and play for free right now using our promo code four for four RBBC situation, shall let's start off in Minnesota. We've been kind of monitoring this situation weekly with Dalvin Cook out for the year. You had McKinnon rush 14 times for 50 yards, and he scored a touchdown yesterday. He also caught 6 of 10 targets for 72 yards. And then you had Murray, 19 carries for 39 yards, and he was less active in the passing game. He only caught one pass for 8 yards. Yeah, Murray's been usable uh, in one week, and that was week seven. I don't think anybody started him because he was facing the Ravens, and that wasn't really expected to be a, a great matchup uh, with uh, the defensive tackle coming back for the Ravens, and it turned out to be uh, a big game for him. 18 carries for 113 yards and a touchdown. It was 6.3 yards per carry, and it was the only time that he was over three yards per carry all year uh, in any game. Uh, 12 for 31 against uh, Chicago, 15 for 28 against Green Bay, 19 for 39 against Cleveland. And I, I watched some of this game and I tweeted out like Latavius Murray just goes down really easily. Like is somebody breathes on him uh, by the offensive line and all of a sudden he's down and uh, it's surprising because he's a big, he's a big player. Uh, but I, I just jumped out yesterday watching the, watching the London game or some of it anyway. Uh, I think this is a, I think this is Jarek McKinnon's backfield, uh, even though he's not getting uh, the lead, lead touches in every single game. Uh, he did still have 12, 20 touches last week uh, against Cleveland and obviously had the uh, 
150 yards rushing, set with a big game in the receiving game, 672 yards there, six catches, uh, scored the touchdown as a, as a runner. Uh, so he's your weekly start, and then McMurray's maybe startable uh, in really nice matchups because he is going to see consistent carries. Obviously, they've, they've been feeding him the ball despite his uh, inefficiency in the running game. This is a situation we're talking about because you had Marshawn Lynch suspended yesterday for the Oakland Raiders. They lost to the Bills yesterday, and granted, they were trailing 20-7 to midway through the third quarter, but that, that doesn't necessarily mean that you throw away the running game. They have not been able to run the football whatsoever this year. It doesn't matter who the back is. Washington only had six carries for 26 yards. Richard had five carries for 21 yards. Now, Washington did have a big big game in the passing, passing attack. He had eight of 10 targets, 62 yards, and a touchdown. What do you make of Oakland's backfield? I mean, it's just it, it just seems like it's a weekly mess now. Well, with uh, with Lynch out, both these guys were were startable in, in PPR. <coughs> excuse me, in PPR formats, Washington got you twenty one, and R- R- Richard got you nine. He had a fumble uh, as well in the in the running game, so um, maybe that's why Washington saw a little bit extra work. He did uh, lead in snaps, forty nine percent to forty percent. Uh, but with Lynch coming back, this is back to a three-headed uh, committee, and you know it's tough to trust any of them uh, on a weekly basis. Uh, Lynch just wasn't getting enough work to justify uh, his draft position, and it's going to take a really nice matchup for, for him to be ranked in the top 15 again uh, moving forward. All right, I'm going to ask you to do something impossible. John, you need to step into the mind of Bill Belichick because mm-hmm. I don't know how he's good, and really, it's not even Bill Belichick; it's Josh McDaniels as well. Because the way they rotate their running backs in New England, it's, it's hard to figure. I'll run through this real quickly. Uh, Lewis had 15 carries for 44 yards. Gillisley had 11 carries for 34 yards. Burke had four carries for 15 yards. None of them scored a touchdown on the ground. None of them scored a touchdown through the air. James White once again five catches for 85 yards. He was the leading receiver for the. Uh, Patriots are the, are the leading pass catcher yesterday. Burkhead also got in the mix from a pass catching standpoint. He caught all seven of his targets for 68 yards, and then you had Lewis catching two passes for 10 yards. So take it away, John. What's Josh McDaniels thinking? Uh, uh, well, the uh, the workload split was sort of what I thought. Uh, Lewis had the 15 carries, but what surprised me was that was the just the ineffectiveness of the running game. Like they, the Chargers are not good against the run, and, and the Patriots had a tough time, uh, again, you know, running the ball against them, which was pretty surprising. Uh, 15 carries, 44 yards for Lewis, 11 for 34 uh, for Gillisley. So just no efficiency there. You know, with 15 carries, I was expecting at least 60, 65 yards for Lewis. Uh, he also had a couple of catches, but he had, you know, 17 touches for him. Gillisley, 11. Burkhead, 11. White, 6. So, uh, we are at a we're at a point where we have four a four headed running back committee, forty five touches total for the running backs there, which is extremely high. Um, so there is going to be some useful weeks for these guys, but it's just tough to tell who it's going to be, and you have to live with you know the seven point four PPR points from Lewis or uh, the three point four uh, standard from from Gillisley in the hopes that you get a touchdown or two. 
Kind of a disappointing day for the Jets' backfield. Bolo Powell had 14 carries for 33 yards. Matt Forte only rushed four times for seven yards. He kind of saved fantasy owners to some degree because he caught six passes for 45 yards. So his final stat line wasn't wasn't horrible. And Powell also caught three passes for 28 yards. I was really surprised, John, in a game where it was wet all the way through and the Falcons, given their run defense problems over the first uh, six, seven games of their season, they did a pretty good job against these two Jets back, uh, J- these two Jets running backs. Yeah, and you know the the announcers. I think we're talking about a three-headed committee, and I actually flipped over or saw it on Red Zone Channel. I saw Elijah McGuire's one carry for two yards. So this really looks like it's a two-man backfield now, and Powell and Forte will be useful uh, as we move through the bye weeks. Um, you know, Powell ended up with 17 touches. Forte had 10 touches, and six of those were receptions. So he's useful in PPR. Uh, and the thing that was surprising here, just like the the Patriots against the Chargers, was that the Jets didn't have more success running the ball against the Falcons. They, this was a good matchup for both players. And you know, 14 for 33 for Powell, and four for seven for Forte is just not uh, going to get it done. Luckily, they both contributed in the passing game as well. Let's talk about the Seattle backfield situation. This, this again, continues to be a weekly mess, although, I mean, really, it's kind of easy to tell. Nobody's running the football. McKissick actually led the running backs in rushing, but he, he did so on four carries for only six yards. Russell Wilson was the only only person in Seattle's backfield that did anything on the ground. He had four carries for 30 yards. Eddie Lacy, six carries, zero yards. Thomas Rawls, six carries, minus one yard, and nobody got involved uh, in the passing game. I imagine, John, that the best advice is just to stay stay the hell away from Seattle. Stay the hell away, and the, Rawls did have a target in the passing in the end zone and was unable to haul it in. Uh, they do have some good matchups coming up, but it didn't. It hasn't mattered really uh, in previous weeks that they had good matchups, so they didn't do much against the Rams. Uh, upcoming week 11, Atlanta, week 12, San Francisco, 32, and adjusted fantasy points allowed to running backs. Jacksonville in week 14, Rams again week 15, um, and then Dallas in week 16. So there are some nice matchups here, but nobody's running the ball well. Uh, it's hard to trust any of these guys. Uh, so that's where we're at with the Seattle backfield. And then finally, we'll we'll conclude the... Uh, running back by committee conversation with taking another look at Washington. You've been right all along. Thompson is clearly the best back in that backfield, but Rob Kelly continues to get the most opportunities. He had eight carries for 19 yards and a touchdown yesterday. Thompson went off for four. Didn't go off, but he had four carries for 18 yards. Now he did make a nice impact in the passing game. He caught eight of his nine targets for 76 yards and Rob Kelly did have a target, but he didn't record a catch. I think Chris Thompson, as I noted, John, you, you've been right on this. Thompson's the only back to own there. Yeah, and he's got the higher floor. It's it's just funny looking at standard scoring with Kelly uh, finishing at 7.9 and Thompson finishing at 7.4. It just shows you the power of that occasional touchdown there from the, the lead, quote-unquote, lead running back for the uh, for Washington. So um, the, the offensive line is kind of decimated too, so – this is a concern in terms of their running game, but I think Thompson will continue to be heavily involved in the passing game, and that's where he's going to score most of his fantasy points. All right, we'll conclude the podcast talking about the Monday Night Football matchup. Might not be a great one from a fantasy perspective, although you, you know both sides you're going to have some players. It's the Chiefs and the Broncos. The Broncos have been woeful offensively, John, but the, the Chiefs have struggled defensively. 
What are you expecting tonight, and which injuries are you are you looking at from a fantasy perspective? Well, Manny Sanders is questionable, but he didn't practice all week, so I didn't put him in my rankings. I'm expecting him to miss, so that leaves Benny Fowler probably playing the second most snaps of the uh, Bronco receivers. Uh, this is a pretty good matchup for the Bronco receivers, uh, so it could be uh, a kind of a bounce-back game for Trevor Simeon and Demarius Thomas and, and Fowler. Uh, A.J. Derby has a pretty good matchup, too, uh, uh, against the Chiefs, so he's been getting more involved in that offense. And I'm interested to see uh, if – I love the old team theorem, the, the revenge game narrative, just to see what different coaches do with different players. But Jamal Charles is playing against his old team, and I'm interested to see if he gets a, a chance to score a touchdown uh, if there's a goal line carry. It's not like C.J. Anderson has been tearing it up of late, so you might see Jamal Charles – in scoring position, and then on the uh, chief side of the ball, uh, Kareem Hunt, I think he's been held out of the end zone the last couple of weeks, so I think there's some concern there from his owners that he's not scoring touchdowns, but uh, this is not a great matchup against Denver, but the nice thing about Hunt is he can uh, re- uh, catch the ball as well, and he can do a lot of damage in the receiving game, which I think he will. And, and then Tyree Kill is always uh, fun to watch because he has that speed, even though uh, Denver might be able to hold him down for most of the game. He could just break free. Uh, on one pass and, and score, you know, 14 fantasy points on, on one play. So uh, that's what kind of what I'm looking for. Uh, Kelsey has had some good games against Denver as well, and, and the middle of the field has been the kind of the one spot in the passing game where Denver's been vulnerable over the last couple of years. So uh, Kelsey should have a big game as well. John, great stuff as always. If you want to follow him on Twitter, you can. Uh, 444 underscore John. I'm at, at Anthony Stalter if you are so inclined to follow me. We appreciate you tuning in. We will see you on Friday. We'll have some injury updates from the week of practices. And as always, on Friday, John hands out some sneaky starts. Until then, good luck tonight, and we'll see you next time on the Most Accurate Podcast.